I wonder how you feel like, I wonder how you're praying this morning, because I wonder which of those is how you're asking God to meet you today. Waymaker, you feel backed into a corner, facing a, a wall in front of you, can't get out. Miracle worker, there's just no other way. Promise keeper, unsure about the world, unsure about the people that you thought you could trust. Light in the darkness, just stuck, overwhelmed in the pit. And I think if we did a poll, everybody in the room would, would be asking God to meet them in a different way. And yet God can meet us in all four of those ways. And guess what? Four times, four times, four times, four times, four times, four of those ways. And so, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that you can meet us in our need because you're a good father. And thank you that you don't just kind of meet us and hang out, but that you can move and act and and, and do things on our behalf. Thank you that you are a protector. Thank you that you do mighty works on our behalf. And so, Jesus, um, just stir in us a, a, a greater anticipation of what you can do and a higher faith and more love for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Unless you're Jeff and Steph, then you guys can come on up here with me. Um, so we're going to kind of... Can you, why don't you guys pull back? What's that? Yeah, who, can, who's, who would like to give Jeff their mic? Okay, Elaine likes you more. There you go. Okay. <laughs> She's just faster on the ground. Okay. You can't get that chair. Okay, I'm very strong. Hold on. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, friends, welcome. This is what we have decided to call a Global Vision Sunday. And let me tell you why. So, um, a few weeks ago, the week of Christmas, my friend Jeff uh, reached out and said that they were going to be in the States, and they were able to, he and his son Aiden were able to swing our way to share a little bit about uh, their ministry in the UK, and as we were talking about how this was going to work, we felt like an easy kind of step would be for us just to kind of share a conversation. I didn't prep her with this, but Steph, how did you meet Jeff and his wife Christy, and how long have you known them? Boy, how long? Okay, let me think about this. Um, well, how old is Misty? Misty is 19. 19, okay. So I've known um, Jeff and Sorry. Christy for 19 years. So um, I was a student at Moody Bible Institute, and I came back to be a resident assistant one year, and um, that was the year that Jeff started as a resident director. And I just really hit it off with his wife, Christy. She wasn't technically like my supervisor, but um, just spent a ton of time with them. We were just talking about Misty last night. She's in college now. And I was talking about how the first Christmas that I knew them, Christy gave me laundry detergent because Misty spit up on my clothes so much. She had like really bad, like, I don't know, acid reflux or whatever it was they called it back then anyway. But um, so I spent a ton of time in their home. It always, and, it always impressed the 150 lads that were working and living with us. You know, they were just like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. She, was, she was pretty epic at that. So we were just laughing about... Um, yeah, just knowing Misty when she was tiny. And so Jeff and Christy have been in my life for about 20 years. And um, I would say Christy was uh, so influential in my life. I'd grown up in the church, grown up in a Christian home. And she was the first person that really spoke the truth and love to me. 
and really challenged me and pushed me beyond kind of what I thought I could do as far as following the Lord and then really kind of confronting some of the stuff that was going on in my life. And so I look back to that relationship as kind of as very formative in how I do ministry today. I feel like without having known Christy and experienced that, um, I don't, I, I wouldn't have the frame of reference that I have today for, for lovingly speaking mm. truth and mm. walking alongside people. They just invited me into their home, spent a ton of time in their home. Um, and so just really lived the life of Jesus with me in ways I didn't even uh, recognize probably at the time. So uh, I first met Jeff and Christy then about 10 years ago. Uh, we've been married, Steph and I will have been married 10 years this June. Uh, and uh, I feel like when you look how far we've made it, like blasting uh, behind us. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, Miracle uh, worker. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that the, the summer that we got married, uh, or the summer before, either the summer we got married or the summer before, Jeff and Christy came to stay in Steph's apartment, and their, four, and their three kids uh, came to stay in, their, in Steph's apartment so they could fly from Chicago to the UK. So I met them for 30 seconds. Here's this really influential in my person in my life. Okay, bye. And, uh, but since then, we've uh, been on Jeff and Christie's supporting team, and they have been really instrumental in a lot of the things that we've pursued over the last eight years as a church. Um, and so I'm really excited for you to meet them, but I thought, Jeff, it would be good for you to just start talking. We all have our phones, not because we're texting, but this is where the questions we're going to be discussing are, okay? Um, so Jeff, tell us about how you and Christy and your kids ended up in the UK, and tell us about like what purpose you had in mind as you were going, So, and anything else you want to say. All right. So I'm my, yeah, my name's Jeff. Uh, Aiden, my, my middle child, is with me. He's 17 years old off to university in the autumn. Uh, Misty as you, is my oldest daughter, she's 19, and potentially in a month if she gets a visa is heading to Sydney, Australia for university. Um, and then my youngest daughter's 12. Uh, Christy and I have been married 20 years last autumn. So uh, because of COVID, it was more like wake up, happy anniversary, that's cool. And that was about it. Um, we are trying to do something, but it just seems like we keep getting postponed or something. But anyways, we'll get there. By 25 years, we'll have a nice, <laughs> proper anniversary dinner, maybe. Um, anyway, so yeah, we've been, we, uh, uh, where do I start? Um, basically, yeah, t so 11 years, we've lived in the UK 11 years almost. And um, we were, uh, I was an executive pastor and discipleship pastor of a decent-sized church of about, I don't know, it was probably 800 to 1,000 in, in Michigan. And uh, I didn't train to be a pastor. I, I actually, my training's all in business and education, but somehow got launched into ministry. And Christy was very influential in my life, similarly. Um, and we were, there just came a point in time where uh, I was training as a you know, pastor teacher, but my gift was, little did I know, was apostolic. And some of you guys might know about the APES giftings and stuff. And uh, Christy and I were, grew up in a culture where um, pastor-teacher were the only gifts if you're in ministry, and, but we're more apostolic and prophetic. And uh, we were beginning to get restless in the position we were in because we were starters, we're pioneers, and we were at a church. So we, long story short, um, we had an opportunity to, somebody invite us, would you guys ever consider moving to England? They actually sent us a text on a weekend when we were praying about God's direction in our life and where he might want to send us. And we got this text from some friends in the, town, in the neighborhood we lived in and said, you guys want to move to England? And we're like, really? Like that never crossed my mind. 
And I am the last person that said I would, have been, I would be a missionary someday. That never crossed my mind. Um, but we, we ended up uh, accepting God's call on that. We felt it was God's call. Our, our leadership and elders in our church affirmed that calling. And so in 2011, we moved to England. And our main purpose was we felt God was calling us to start a new wineskin. So England's like rich history of, well, rich and really bad history, horrible histories of, of Christianity, right? Um, a lot of burning at the stakes and things like that. But it's also got some of the most amazing missionaries, um, people that have influenced this congregation, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Wesley. John Wesley, yeah. Yeah, he, he lived a few miles from where I live. Um, I mean, massive uh, men and women of the faith. But it's, it's really, uh, it's, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say the church is dead there. The, the Anglican church, the Methodist church, uh, the Baptist church, those congregations, are, they're just smaller. And I would say, uh, on average, they say in Europe and the UK, about, depending on where you're at, anywhere from 2 to 4% of the people actually attend a church once a month on any given Sunday or something. And so there's, there's just a massive need. And we were like, you know what? There's a lot of good churches, Angli- Anglican churches, Methodist churches, and, and Baptist churches here. God's calling us to reach those, those people that are never going to set foot in those, those places. So we spent 11 years now learning the culture uh, having some successes and failings, which I'm sure we'll probably chat about. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually my question was like, um, what, so two questions, the first one would be, and I'll tell you the second later, but what's the, the first one would be, what is the fruit of your ministry? So 11 years there, what is the fruit of your ministry or the fruit of your time there that has made you say, okay, taking my family to this other place that's been really hard and really challenging. And we, we've known Jeff and Chris, I mean, it's been hard, you know, um, so what makes you say, like, yeah, this was worth it? Well, just, just recently, I think Christy and I are on the, feel like, yeah, this is where we want to stay. And I would say that's recent. I think it's been 10 years of Christy every year at one point saying, are you sure we can't go home? Can we just go home? And uh, it's anything from, I can talk about the challenges later. But I think the fruit, if I were to, I'm reminded of a story that I was hanging out with a pastor in Brighton, which is on the south coast. Um, And he said, the way we describe the, the, you know, the the soil, you guys know the parable of the soils, Um, you know, there's good soil, there's four soils, Uh, I think it's called that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. that's He's, what we call it here, at okay, least. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I've been gone too long, and I'm like, constantly people are like, what? Yeah. Anyways, there was, uh, he said, it's, imagine the UK soil is like, it's, it's all cemented over. And so you're throwing seeds, and like a good, you know, like, a, like the car park out there, maybe a little nicer than your car park, but uh, there's, there's cracks, right? And so once in a while, a seed might go through a crack and something sprouts. But most of the time, it's just falling on just this really hard surface. And so he said, most of our job is just jackhammers breaking up the cement. And that's what we feel like we've been doing. Mm. One of the ways we've tried to do that, and about a few years in, um, we, we started off working in, in a youth ministry and, and starting a new church. And it was just real slow going, still very small. And, um, but we, 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 we were getting to know our neighbors. But we were like, really? This is like we, people have invested loads in us to be here. And we like know and have relationships with like five people after the first year, you know? It's like, how can we get to know like hundreds of people like really well, get invited into their homes and their lives? And long story short, we, uh, about 
well, it started about seven years ago. We started praying into this idea of an entrepreneurial idea of starting a, a specialty coffee shop. And so we started Filter Coffee. That's probably one of the biggest successes. And we now have a, it'll be its fifth anniversary this coming April, but it's, it's considered the best coffee shop in Vista, maybe even in Oxfordshire. We, we've gotten written up and all this kind of stuff, five stars on Google. But we just, we literally serve hundreds, if not thousands of people a week. Um, and every month, definitely. And uh, during the pandemic, uh, we were one of the only places open, so our, our sales and the, went skyrocketed in a sense that people were finding this as a place where they could find hope. And it's always been a place where people, we've had people walk in that are, I can't remember all the phobias, but they have a phobia of leaving their house. We've, we've had like a dozen people come in there with, with a friend and for the first time they're not afraid. That's the kind of prayer covering that this place has in the mm. middle of our neighborhood. Um, we've had uh, some, some people that were, uh, even some people that have been struggling with mental health for years recently uh, come into that place and find peace. And um, so that's, I, I feel like that's some of the successes because it's just a matter of there's been a massive opportunity for us to serve and love mm. and, and build relationships with hundreds of people. To the point where, like, I'm God, you know, I'm a godfather of a number of their kids, or uh, they now they invite us into their homes, we invite them into our homes, right. and so forth. So, there's a woman, and I don't remember her name. She passed away. Yeah, Valerie. Tell that story. Yeah. The one that I cried about in your Christmas letter. Yes, <laughs> I keep telling Jeff I cry. I I don't really cry a lot because I've told Jeff like five stories in the last. There's He's just been with us since last night. You know, there's, like, there's, I wept. I wept then too. Anyway, there's, there's two types of people in the world. There's people <laughs> that make you cry, and then there's people like that don't. I'm one of the don'ts. Like it doesn't matter. But then uh, my wife's one of the people that, yeah, you just start to cry for some reason when you're around her, and she's counseling you. In or a something. good way. In a good <laughs> way. Yeah, in a good way. Thank you. This isn't being recorded, right? Oh, it oh, is. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> um, Valerie. So Valerie. Um, uh, we opened the cafe, and shortly afterwards, uh, Valerie shows up. She was in her upper 80s. Um, she had just moved from Surrey, which is near London, out there to be closer to one of her, one of her kids because she had had a fall, and she, um, I feel like the joke, couldn't get up. And uh, anyways, she moved out to, um, uh, into Langford Village, into our neighborhood of about 2,000 homes, and she showed up at the cafe, and we just started to get to know her, and we loved her. Um, and she started to sit at the window of the cafe. So you can imagine this cafe, it's probably smaller than the cafes you guys have around here, uh, but there's a window right at the front and a seat, a nice posh seat, and she's sitting there, and, and over the years, she would sit there every morning, and she'd come in literally two to three times a day, and uh, we started giving her a discount and things like that, because we just loved Valerie. My wife started to get to know her um, a few years in. She started having some trouble physical difficulties. This is before COVID. And basically, she, um, Christy would go over there every Tuesday. Anybody ever read the book Tuesdays with Maury? Okay, it, this was like Christy's Maury. She would start going over, and she, her faith was rekindled. Like, she had had a faith when she was a child, but her faith came alive again. And she, she, every week, uh, Christy would meet with her and pray with her and pray over her fears. And we really felt like it came alive again. And she never came to our church because our church met in the evenings, and she needed to be in by 7. Um, but it was brilliant, and she became known in the whole community because kids would walk by every morning on the way to school, and they would come by the window to wave at Valerie. So she, and so when she, um, 
I think it was in uh, May, actually it was on Christy's birthday, I think, she passed away. This was a couple years ago now, right, right after, it was right after COVID hit. And um, so, she, so she, uh, we mourned that and um, we still celebrate her. But that's one of the, yeah, one of the cool stories. So you said, so you went to kind of create new wineskins, um, but you kind of got two kind of wineskins going on right now. And one is the coffee shop, but you still do have like a, a church. But tell us like what that looks like and yeah. how that works. And So I've kind of really felt called more uh, to, to part of the, the coffee shop and all the other entrepreneurial stuff we're doing uh, is a way of creating spaces. So we felt like what we, what we really, the Kairos we had, a, a, I had about a, month, a year ago was, you know, we, we have all these deep relationships, but it didn't matter how much we invited and we had shared the gospel countless times with different people, but these are all people that weren't churchgoers. And some of them, I have a friend that his mom was a witch. So like we're talking, like they weren't just not churchgoers, they were like generations removed from the church. And, and so we're, these are the people we're loving and engaging with. They're not coming to the center, they don't come to this. It doesn't matter how much we invite them and we're like, we're close, right? But they come to the coffee shop. They'll, they'll come to the counseling center that one of our friends now has established in another town. They'll come and, and, and we, we can go to their space. And so we're trying to create spaces and that's part of the entrepreneurial side of things. Um, we, you know, the space is like a basketball club where a bunch of men and boys come and play basketball every, every Tuesday evening. Those are the spaces where, that's one side. But there's a church that Christy and I also lead. And um, the church currently is, a, it's, we're, we're setting it up, we're intentionally making them small because instead of having one church in the middle with missional communities or small groups going out, we're actually decided to say the church is going to be out on the edges where people are and people are going to engage. And in the middle, that's where the disciples, we might call them the missionaries, come to worship, to hear from God. And then they go back out and we've just minimized what church needs to be. It needs to have an aspect of worship. Well, it's kind of like up, in and out, really. An aspect of worship, an aspect of community, because that's important, in an aspect of um, out mission, ministry, evangelism, and discipleship, right? And that's the essence of what we call church. So we're, we're empowering people that are everyday people that have jobs, work as nurses, work as, you know, in IT, whatever. To, we want them to be pastors, and we have a couple of these that are now pastoring these churches and sometimes it's a group of leaders pastoring these churches these small micro churches it might be made up of two families it might be ours might the one i'm leading currently and almost handing off is made up of multiple families we might at the most have like 25 people come on a sunday morning but we meet like the church i'm currently leading and a part of with my family is meeting in filter on sunday mornings before we open so for an hour, we meet one week to, to read scripture and pray together. The next week we meet to, to worship in some way. It can include song worship, uh, to hear a talk, and then we dialogue over that talk. But they're really cool. Can I share a couple mm -hmm. stories? Yeah. They're really cool. Like in the church I'm leading with, um, and Sarah Caton is kind of my counterpart. She's actually the one I'm training up to lead, take over the leadership and pastoring of the church. Um, we, we've... You know how I said it was hard to get these close friends to come to the, they never came? Uh, in the last two months, uh, we had a, a lady that has, uh, she does physical therapy. 
She's a regular at Filter. She comes in every day for a chai latte with oat milk. I, seriously, it's amazing how you learn everybody's drink preferences. Um, my son actually is, a, is the main barista now. I don't, I don't do much of that work anymore. But um, anyways, Sharon comes in, and, and she, but she's engaging with the church when she comes to get her ch oat chai latte, right? Constantly. And, and she actually has worked on all of us because we're all getting old now, and I need help. And, uh, and so recently she came in, and she said, can I come to your, to your prayer meeting on Sunday? I'm like, Yeah. And she, you know, Uta invited her, one of our other younger, younger leaders. And, and it was great. She came in. She didn't pray, but she sat there. We read scripture. We talked about scripture. She participated in the prayer because it's very participatory, but she didn't pray out loud. But she was there, and then she hung around after, talked to Uta, talked to Sarah, talked to some of the other people that were there. And, and I hope, yeah, that's, that never happened before. So that's, that's massive. And then I have a friend who's a lawyer. He, he actually married a, a lady who's a, who grew up as a Christian in the Anglican church. She actually still attends the Anglican church. They made a deal, like, you got to come to church the rest of your life if you're going to marry me. Yes, that happens. And he said, okay, which any good guy would do, right? Um, but the problem is he's struggling with the traditional church because it just doesn't make sense. He, he currently doesn't believe Jesus was divine. There's a lot of questions he has. He's, it's, yeah, there's just, I can go on and on. But he, he comes to our church because he's my mate, and uh, he, it's great, because he doesn't just come, like, because you can't just come to our church, you pretty much got to participate to some extent, it's small, right, we'll do a talk, and he's like, I love him being there, because he brings up the best questions, and thoughts, and, and it just creates a great conversation, and so uh, that's another example, too, just in the last two months, since we've shifted to this, con this way, um, we've had people starting to show up, so, we're, uh, so uh, there's a couple things that I think are really important. So this idea of microchurch, um, pay close attention to what he just said if you want to know anything about the future of our church, okay? Um, and so, uh, and, and Jeff also said some things about fivefold ministry, a past, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, that comes out of Ephesians chapter four, says that Jesus gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelist, shepherds, and teachers for the building up of the body, for equipping of the work of ministry, right? And so um, we're going to do lunch after this. We've got more questions for Jeff, but we're going to do lunch after this. And I want to hear Jeff, we're going to hear Jeff talk a little bit more about fivefold, uh, how that's impacting ministry. We're going to hear a little bit more about microchurch. Um, but Holden is giving me this look from the back of the room that he would like to know how many pizzas to order. So if you are planning on staying for lunch, could you just raise your hand so that we know Aiden's like, Aiden's like I am. Okay, so I would say order enough for about uh, what, uh, 20 people. So 20 pizzas, Holden. I'm just kidding. You know, get about, get about four or five pizzas. We're good. Um, Use your best judgment. It's my you least favorite task. Oh, and uh, Julia has stocked the church freezer with gluten-free, dairy-free, if that's what you need. So, okay, so... Welcome to the Church of Strange Dietary Restrictions. Yes, yes. Cool. So, yeah, be, those are shareable. All right, so that's that. Cool beans. Um, so, Jeff, go ahead. Yeah. And I just want to say, I think another powerful piece, and, and I don't know if you heard Jeff say this, but is the idea that people, and you maybe are experiencing this in your own life, there are people in your life who are interested in Jesus who will not step foot in this building, whether it's because of the baggage of their past, 
maybe their preconceived notions about Christians. And so like this idea of going to a space where they already feel comfortable, like so often as Christians, we expect non-Christians to come to us. We're asking, we're asking them to step outside of their comfort zone instead of us just stepping outside of ours. Right, we're so being bad missionaries. Idea of being like it's so powerful to go to a place where they feel comfortable and inviting them to that space. Yeah. I always laugh. I, I love I love coming to the U.S. and seeing church signs. They're so much fun to read, and um, we don't have church signs in the U.K. And uh, I love this. It's almost, almost every sign says everyone welcome. Right? Like honestly, it's like saying like I'm getting married and I put up a sign outside my wedding day and say everyone welcome. That's kind of how it feels to a, a non-believer. Mm -hmm. So it's almost, it's kind of humorous that I hope yeah. you don't have a sign that says everyone welcome. because we, we usually laugh at them too. <laughs> yeah, we laugh at them too. I should try, probably check that out first. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're good. Jeff's like, oh dear, I just drove by that sign. Um, so Jeff, like, and the reason I, I'm so excited to have you here is, so we are on a three-year journey, right? If this is news to you, let it no longer be news. We're on a three-year journey of giving everyone in our neighborhoods and networks an opportunity to see, hear, and respond to the good news of Jesus. And so this year is a year that we're, we've called this the year of blessing, right? Remember that book you read this fall? It's not going away. Um, we read this book about kind of just learning to be a blessing to the people in our circles. Really next fall, we're gonna start sending people as missionaries into our community with the hope of multiplying kind of these communities and some places where people are meeting. But tell me about, so you've been on a similar journey of trying to do that and equipping ordinary people, not just the professional Christians, but equipping ordinary people to do this. So one of the challenges we can learn from, right, is, okay, there's people that are just never going to gather with us in this space. But what are some other challenges that you guys have faced that we could learn from um, as we kind of go on this journey? Do you remember what we talked about? I'm trying to remember what we talked about last night. I think we talked about the space. I think that was part of it. We talked about spaces. We talked about spaces. Yeah. So the other challenges. Um, I think we talked about how we're kind of, we tend to equip leaders and not everyday people. So I don't know if you had any thoughts. About yeah, that. I, you know, I think one of the things that we've learned is, yeah, it's it's the reducing the expert in the room. That's mm -hmm. that's been a real challenge because if you if if you always if i'm always the expert if i'm always the leader yeah and i everything depends on me um because maybe you know it's well i'll use the analogy of coffee so i'm i was the first barista i'm i'm a professional barista right so i can i, I always in, think in america we call them baristas barista yeah sorry so i i'm the I'm, I'm going to be the best, right? I'm going to have the best latte art, all this kind of stuff. Well, if I always keep that attitude and just say, well, I'll always make coffee, then I, that shop is always dependent. So I get hit by a bus or I get COVID, one or the two, and the shop shuts down. Um, and it's the same way in the church. You know, you, you have to give people a go. And I think we, a few years ago, one of the ways we've, we have went after that challenge of the expert in the room or the one with the most education is basically just really believing what the Bible says um, and this kind of goes back to APES, but the, we had this phrase, everybody gets to play. And we just started giving people opportunities. So like on a Sunday morning uh, at our church, I don't, I honestly don't lead much anymore. And that's very intentional because like we are rotating people to lead even the dialogue of the, of the, of the scriptures. And we're, and we're equipping them, we're preparing them, we're debriefing them, we're we're, but more and more people are stepping up and being equipped to lead. Um, I'm, I'm just navigating that for them. And mm. then 
slowly we'll be handing things off and to start, because you can't, you can't multiply quickly if you always got to do everything. So that's one of the challenges. We, we did have that a little bit of that. And some of the main churches still have that because it's such a rich tradition of you got the vicar in the Anglican church or the, the pastor who, and they just do everything. And so it's, it, it's, it's, it's battling that consumeristic hmm. kind of mentality that so many people, well, we don't have many consumers in the UK anymore, but. How has changing the definition of church for your microchurches also maybe made that, you know, more accessible? Yeah, so, so um, say, ask again. So how, what, what does it mean to be a, ch- a microchurch? So we know what we yeah. think of as church, like this is church for us. When you talk about a microchurch, what does that, how is that different? Or what does that look like? So um, the microchurch is, we like to say it's on the edges. So it's where people are. It's, it's even meeting typically in a space where people come. So it's very natural because we meet in the, like we meet in a coffee shop and people come there every day anyways. Um, and they know the people because we half of the, you know, a bunch of us work in the coffee shop periodically. So I think that's, that's one of the ways we've, a microchurch is essentially meant to be small. It's meant to be 20 to 30 people. And um, every person in that microchurch, um, it, it becomes very agile. Like we, we've minimized what it means to be church. Um, and we're equipping everybody in the church to become a missionary. So they go on a missionary journey and they're connecting uh, in various things that God's put on their heart. So you know how, I mean, I, I think everybody in the room has had pain in their life, right? Yeah, I've, we've, I've had painful moments. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, right? And, and we believe that what Second Corinthians 1 says, that God, God meets you in that pain and brings healing and actually gives you the ability then to go out and, and bring peace and comfort to others who are experiencing the same things. So one of the things about microchurches is when you, when you gather all the light into one place, you're just really lighting that room. But what if you spread all the lights throughout the house or throughout the city into smaller units? Not only are you able to go into places very different, so if, because some of you here can go into places that I can't. And most people can't, but and others, if you can go into other places and have an influence, but it's unlikely that all those people that you have a network with are going to come into this place, mm. right? And that's really the I think the power of the micro church. It's small, it's agile. We can move into places. So I have um, we have a couple. Let me think of one. So obviously we have a coffee shop thing, but we also have a um, we have a we have a couple ladies that are. Um, that are moving more into the mental health stuff and they're they're working with with parents who are dealing with uh, young people who are suicidal and they have experience like we have a young a woman in our church named Sue who's who's had kids who have had mental health problems she's i mean been through a lot of pain in her life so she can she she can go in and engage, or we have a, her daughter actually has had been in the hospital. So she, she runs a ministry around Christmas where she takes all these gift packs into the mental health hospital where she was and engages with these people. Like, I, like I, I would be an outsider in that place. First, I'm an, Ameri- I'm an American still, um, but also I've, I've never experienced the pain and the suffering of being in a hospital over Christmas. She has. And so there's, there's opportunities, uh, micro-opportunities to engage networks of people, which we now, we live in that kind of a world now. It's no longer one-size-fits-all. It's, it's much more networked. Um, 
And I think that's one of the power. It also levels the, the um, it, I, fully, I believe it creates an accountability amongst the group because it's a small community and you are engaging on life on life and, and there's, there's an accountability even for people like me. I can't hide in the towers anymore. I, I'm down with the people. And, you know, I give permission for Uta, who's 27 and newly married, and technically I'm her boss in the, in the business world, but she, from a, from a church standpoint, she, she, she can speak into my life. She can challenge me in areas, and she mm -hmm. does, which is good. And so that's another thing that's really powerful about microchurch. We were talking to, when there's, the Lord has, like, the Lord has my attention because I've found myself in microchurch or, or, or missional community or these small kind of community-related conversations now um, for about a month. And even when I was in L.A., we were piped in a guy from India um, where um, in, the la in the last year alone, they've planted 5,000 microchurches. The year before that, they did 1,300. The year before that, they did 300. And so they're on this exponential growth curve. And, and that's partially because the soil in the East is much softer um, than the soil is in the West, and, and even in the UK. And, but, but one of the things that he said about, like, how do you experience that kind of exponential growth? Well, what they've done is they have raised the bar, and this sounds like what you're doing, Jeff. They've raised the bar on what it means to be a disciple. They've raised the bar on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Everybody gets to play. And they've lowered the bar on what it means to be a church. You don't need a building. You don't need five programs and youth and, uh, and three worship leaders. You just, so, it, but what we've typically done in the West is we flip that, haven't we? Where we've raised the bar on what it means to be a church. We got to give out all these bells and whistles and lower the bar on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It just sounds like you're flipping that. Because yeah. you've got this Sue, who's just an ordinary person, walking into this hospital to do these things. Well, you remember, I said we, we went there believing God was calling us to create a new wineskin to reach the 95% that we're never going to enter into a church building, right? And the thing here is that the challenge, one of the challenges we're facing right now is, and why that Christy and I believe we still need, that we're still seeking to live as missionaries on support mm -hmm. um, from most of our support, all of it right now actually comes from the United States, um, because, because all these microchurches need to be supported. And so our role is, is becoming one of a coaching, supporting, mentoring, and, and resourcing these leaders. Because think about it, most of you guys work a full-time job, and then you're going to lead a church? There's only so much time, in the, in the, so if, if, if all of you guys work a full-time job, and then you also got to do Kyle's job, that's not, that can't happen, right? Um, and so we're having to really have a new paradigm, and so the what we believe the microchurch network we're establishing right now is, is dependent on some leaders. We have a guy right now, Simon, who's one of our leaders, who this year he felt like God was asking him to serve the microchurch network and to, and to, to serve these pastors and leaders. Um, he's donating 25 hours a week of his time for free. He's like, I'm going to work for free for one year. But at the end of the year, I'm like, you know what? The worker deserves his pay, right? He's working his tail off, and he's doing some amazing things. And so... That's one of the things that we're, uh, uh, I, I look at the United States and I'm, uh, yes, there's the, the real blessing of the United States is there's probably still 30 plus percent of the population that are really, their hearts are soft to the gospel. You just need to get out there and um, they will come in here, but there's 70% that's being ignored and it's easy to ignore them because there's still 30%, right? And all the churches are going after the 30%. 
I'm a businessman, so I think in, in, in kind of market share and stuff, but there's 70%. Now, I'm, I don't know if my numbers are totally correct, but, uh, but that's what somebody here told me. And imagine if, how are you going to reach those 70%? Well, you're still going to need Kyle and Stephanie and some others that can equip and, and do all this stuff. This, they still need the church. You guys are in a better position than we are, actually, mm. viability-wise, sustainability-wise, to actually have a go at this. Mm. And I think it's necessary if we're going to reach the 70% here in the U.S. Mm. So uh, you, you mentioned being supported by churches in the U.S., and um, so I guess my kind of last question is, like, what does that look like, and how could people at Regen consider partnering with you? Yeah, so we, we are dependent, and I, you know, I mentioned we, we've started a business. We've also coached others to start businesses. Uh, the, the money we receive from that doesn't go into our pockets. It continues to support the, the microchurches, the network. In fact, uh, we finally got to the place where we've been profitable enough with Filter after five years, where now I'm one of the ladies that helped us start it, and she's always had this dream, and so I was able to bless her before I left for Christmas and say, it's time. We're five hours a week now. We're going to shift to you doing mission. And so 35 hours in the shop doing your job, five hours working with Sarah in the, in the missional community in the church to, to see how can we use this space to reach people for Christ. And so that's something we're finally getting to that place, but it, that's where the profit, and we've also always committed to using the profit to reinvest in other dreams of people. So we've scholarshiped a couple of our student workers to go off to university. We've uh, supported a, a, a community cafe that was starting in Hungary with one of my friends who was going there with his wife. Um, those kind of things mm -hmm. we continue to invest in. So as a, as a, as a family, though, we're, we're still feeling like, and we ask God this, should we just start to support ourselves? But he, he, we feel like it's still necessary to, to be on support. So that's when I called Kyle, and I've connected with a number of other people in our networks here, say we, we, need, to, we need to go after this again. So the way, way it works is we just have churches that will support us in their budget in some way. We also have a majority of our support, though, comes from individuals like yourselves, uh, they commit to anything from 25 to we have somebody as high as $600 a month that they're they're just every month they just kind of get on our team and and then they then we communicate with them and mm -hmm. and they get updates about what's going on and you and and we we love people but honestly I I I always think like we have I've met some people this last week that have been supporting us for 11 years faithfully and I am like part of part of the fruit that we're experiencing is 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 on there. It's on them, because we couldn't have done what we did. We had the ability to go. They they had the ability to give and make sure we got there and, and we're sustainable. So for God's been sustaining us for eleven years on people like yourself. So that's kind of how it works. One of the things we'll just want to invite you to do is you know if you want to hear more and be praying about supporting Jeff and Christy and their family. Um, come to the lunch, but then we'll also provide you a link. Here, here's, can I just be super honest about what, I, what I'm doing and just really transparent with you? Is what I don't wanna do is us take a love offering and you throw 20 bucks in and then you've kind of done your thing. I really wanna like invite you to just really be praying and talking as if you're married, talking with your spouse about what it would look like to kind of press in there together. So there'll be a link uh, in the reconnect at some point in the next couple weeks that you could click and start partnering with them there. We'll also have a sign up list somewhere um, here today that you could just fill out your email if you just wanna start getting email updates from the Lothamers. And I, I would say, I mean, seriously, that when we read the Christmas letter about Valerie and about, I, I think we were, I was in a maybe a more discouraged moment 
And I'm just like in the living room, like ugly crying. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm like, Jesus is still working in people's lives. You know, like it happens. And it was so worth it. It's been so hard for them. You know, <laughs> I seriously was doing all of these things. So um, it's, been a, it's been a real blessing. It's, Christy's a really good communicator. So even getting her letters is, is worth it. That's true too, yeah. Yeah, Christy will be here next time. Yeah. I, I'm like the sub right now. Christy, just... may, Christy may zoom in to lunch, right? Yeah, Maybe. 1230. She's, uh, we are gathering meets at four. And it, we had to move online because of COVID issues. And so she decided to, to join mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. this afternoon. So, um, yeah, or this morning, but it's this afternoon there. So here's just kind of then the last question, too, would be um, how can we pray for you? Yeah, I mean, part of it's pray. Uh, we, we, I mean, over COVID in 11 years, we've, we've lost some support, but we also have increased needs because we have kids that are deciding they're going to go to university, which is a good thing, right? And, uh, but we want to be able to help them as much as we can and, and the travel expenses of that. And, um, but we, so pray for that. More, almost the emotional side of it for Christy, too, as a mother and, and me as a father, I guess. Is I guess. Our, our kids <laughs> hey, are leaving. I guess. <laughs> I'm a little bit more like, yeah, go. This is awesome. This is great. But, but it's, our, our daughter has type 1 diabetes, and she's had it for a number of years. And, and that's, so obviously that mother-daughter connection was massively close over the years because Christy, for a few years, woke up every two hours to care for her. And now she's literally, she's living in Atlanta right now and ready to fly to Sydney. So that's like a, a massive, a massive transition for our family. So pray for that. Um, pray for these, these, the, these new microchurches that are forming. We have a girl, Becky, who I coached for a year to start her business in counseling. And she, we started a, another cafe. We've hibernated it for the winter. We're not sure if we're going to keep it going. But she joined us up in Brackley. And she, uh, she felt like she wanted to be on our team. And we have, this is the first time somebody's actually moved to be a part of what we're doing that's, that's British uh, in this case. You know, uh, and it was fantastic because she immediately got involved in Brackley. Her business is starting to thrive. She already got invited into the local school. And she's a, she's a counselor for teenagers and stuff. And she is starting, this month, she's starting a discipleship group we call DNAs uh, with a group of people. And that's the start and the birthing of another microchurch. Mm -hmm. And we really believe that. So we're going to pray for Becky um, and pray for, yeah, those kind of things, yeah. I had one more thing I wanted you to talk about, Jeff, which is um, if we had someone here who's just, like, not sure about what God is calling them to oh, yeah. or how to, how to kind of live discipleship life every day. Yeah, so there's... Um, yeah, Christy is established through some partners of ours, uh, a course called the Calling Journey. Is that what it's called? Calling Lab. Thank you. I haven't taken it. <laughs> um, but Chris, so Christy is, uh, like they said, a brilliant communicator, and she has a real passion for coaching and, and mentoring. And we're, we're, she's created this lab where you can actually, it's all virtual, so you'd be connecting with, with people from around the U.K., maybe even... Uh, we have some partners in Bangkok, and there might be some of them coming on, and we have some Americans that naturally are connected with us. And this is something we want to offer to all our churches and partners. If you want to be a part of that, um, uh, we, you, you, you'll get, we'll make sure you get news of that. But she's probably going to do another one this year sometime. And it's like about six weeks, and you get to, you get to learn a lot about yourself and about who God made you to be and maybe some of your journey, some of your story. Um, some of your personality things and, and things like that. But, but one of the coolest moments, I think, is at the end, you go through this whole process with, um, with all these, this community, this global community, right? And, um, 
and then at the end we have a few people that are prophetically gifted that come in and actually prophesy over that group and i remember like um uta who is one of who she's been working with me and filter for a lot of years her and her husband did the course and I just met with them, and it was uh, I, the first question I asked before I offered her this new opportunity was, so tell me what's your calling. And she articulated, I'm confident this is what God's called me to do at 27 years old, and her husband's like, yep. And then I'm like, that's good because I, I, I can offer you that. And it was such a beautiful moment, right? And, but there's so, so, there's so much confidence when you know what God's called you to do, and you can have a, group, a community of people come around you and speak truth into your lives and, and say, yep, yep, that's what God's saying. Yeah, go. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, it, it actually is a, it's, it's, there's nothing like following the call of God in your life. Yeah. I would say if, if you want to do the calling lab, if that like scratched, if that created an itch that you're interested in, like talk to Steph or I, and if we got a quorum together, we could, we would then maybe talk to Jeff and Christy a little bit more about that too. But I, if you, you better believe I just thought of five people and you probably know who you are. So, um, especially Amanda, who I was doing this to, get out of it, like, so, um, yeah. So I'm just gonna call her out. See, there's some accountability, there it is. Um, she can handle it. Um, so let's pray for Jeff, and then we're gonna uh, receive communion together, and then if you're staying for the lunch, we'll eat, do some lunch, and the rest of you will bless and send you on home. So, and we are back to our regularly scheduled programming next weekend. Okay, 9 a.m. and 10.45, so that'll be good. So let me pray, or do you want to pray? You pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jeff and Christy and their family. We thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their perseverance through um, 11 years that have been so hard um, and so challenging, but yet so fruitful, not just in the lives of those around them, but in their own lives so, Father, we pray um, over them in this next season as they continue to launch uh, microchurches that you would just multiply the fruit there, that you would multiply the work of their hands. Um, Father, um, we pray a blessing over Jeff as he leads apostolically, that you would continue just to give him uh, your vision for um, the, the area of the UK that they're in mm -hmm. and, for the, and, and for the world that you uh, want to bless through them. Father, we pray over, pray over Christy, a blessing over her coaching and mentoring and leading, um, that, Father, you would just continue to bless the work of her hands as she pours into the next generation of leaders. Um, Father, we pray for Misty as she uh, goes to Sydney. We pray just all the um, obstacles there to be taken care of, and then we pray over her health. Father, we pray for Aiden as he makes university choices, that you would just give him wisdom as to where you want him. And Father, we pray for Casey as she um, just continues her schooling, that she would be a light in a dark place, and that you would protect her um, as she walks through that. And Father, we just, we thank you for this family. We thank you for their faithfulness. We thank you for how they've used the gifts that you've given them to bless not just uh, their local body of believers, but um, a global body of believers. And we thank you for just how they've um, impacted Kyle and I personally, but also um, regen in ways that we probably don't even know. And so we just thank you for them and uh, pray your blessing over them. In your name, amen. We get to come to the table together today. And at the very least, be reminded 
that Jesus uh, really did come for the whole world. And uh, it's the heart behind this idea of just calling it a Global Vision Sunday to maybe get our eyes just a little lifted off of all that our lives hold, which are very real, to just look a little beyond that to see what God is doing and to see this Jesus whose body is broken for the whole world, for, for Valerie sitting in a coffee shop window, right? Um, that Jesus' blood was spilled for the whole world to empower the Simons of the world to go and tell others. And so we get to eat this meal that all of God's people in all times and in